Please turn with me in your Bibles once again to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to be looking in our, for our preaching this evening from the last three verses of Matthew chapter 11. Beginning with verse 28 down to verse 30. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Our title for this evening's message is exhausted going in your own way. It's a question for us all. Exhausted going in your own way. Are you exhausted, traveling, going your own direction? When people travel, it's usually a good idea to travel light if you're flying, if you're going to different places. I don't know if you've ever traveled with a heavy backpack. If you ever travel different places, sometimes when I travel places, I put too many heavy books in my backpack and it's heavy. It's wearisome. And you... You look forward to some relief when you can put that bag down for a period of time. I remember one time I I arrived in a place and a friend of mine offered to lift one of my bags for me. Didn't realize how heavy it was until I handed it over to him. And I realized how much of a relief it was to sit down and be relieved of that burden. We often don't realize the heavy burden we are under. At times, some of you have grown up reading Pilgrim's Progress. There's a character in Pilgrim's Progress known as Christian. And Christian leaves the city of destruction. He reads the word of God. And his burden becomes heavier and heavier. He seeks all the wrong ways to find relief. And he does not find sweet relief until a certain point in his life when he looks to the cross of Christ. Then his burden has been removed from him. No longer weighed down with attempts to make himself right with God. No longer with that exhausting weight on his back, his burden is gone. And we have many exhausted people in this world, don't we? We live in a time that is so busy. We live in a time when we seem to have so little contentment. We live in a time when we grasp the riches of this world and it's like vanity of vanities. We're like grasping at the air and it disappears as quickly as it came in the first place. It never satisfies and these exhausted people in this world they may look happy they will tell you on social media how happy they are 
They will take pictures on Instagram and other things. And show you. Look how happy I am. But they're weary. Burdened. Many of them. Suffering under the weight of their own guilt. Before almighty God. Because we've been created in the image of God. And not only have we been created in the image of God. We've also been placed into a world. That is surrounded by reminders. That God made all that we see. That God made us. And that we're going to stand before him one day. A good. Holy. And righteous God made this world. The heavens declare the glory of God. And we see constant reminders of the handiwork of God all around us. So you see a world exhausted. Because it's not seeking the right relief. It's seeking relief in all the wrong places. And the devil offers relief. The Lord here in our text offers relief. The devil offers relief. But it never satisfies. It's always disappointing. It always seems enticing. It's very attractive. It's very alluring. People wish to remove their burden. To many different means. Drink. Drugs. Pornography. All sorts of things. The devil just says. Come unto me. And I'll make your burden light. But what happens? It gets worse. It gets heavier. And we see many tragic examples all around us. Of people who are further burdened in their attempt to find relief. Their conscience is at them. The scriptures and creation reveal their guilt. There's only one place, friend, to find sweet and lasting and eternal relief. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's offered to us in this text. It's offered to us by Christ as much as it was offered to them in the first century 2,000 years ago. When he says, come unto me, all ye that labor. Because your career will not bring relief. Your possessions, your nice house, a nice car, all the things that we work so hard for, your best friend in this world, your success in your exams, whatever you labor so diligently for, you will never find sweet relief until you find it in Christ. It is only in Him. Because we all need relief. We all have a sense of our guilt. And the question is what will we do with that? Will we suppress the truth? Will we withhold the truth? Are you heavy laden here this evening? Come unto me, Jesus says. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. This evening we're going to look at the great relief for the exhausted soul that is offered to all. Rich, poor, young, old. It doesn't matter your status in life. It doesn't matter who you are. If you've been made in the image of God, this offer is open to you. Because you've been fallen in Adam. You need the sweet and wonderful relief 
found only in Jesus Christ. So our first point that we're going to look at from this text, verses 28, 29, and 30. Number one, the suffering. The suffering. Verse number 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. What was the context of Jesus' invitation to them at this time? I think we often forget that this was a highly religious generation. A generation that really didn't think that they were doing much wrong. A generation that just thought that if they could have their Messiah the King to come, their problems would be over because the Romans would be gone. They were a people, religiously, that had departed from the true gospel. They were under, many of them were under the corrupting influence of the scribes and the Pharisees. Or, some of them, the Sadducees. But the legalism, it's very much largely in this text, the legalism of the scribes and the Pharisees is in view here. Among other things. But true religion has been turned into something horrible and oppressive, in fact. And this can happen. This can happen anywhere. It can happen here in Scotland. Where the gospel has flourished for many centuries. Where true religion has been for many thousands of years at this point. In Judea. There were additions to the law that the Pharisees brought on. It was performance driven. And what they would do is, well the law of God states this. But we need to put extra barriers, extra protections around people. So that they don't fall into things. And what happened over time, they became self-righteous. They became to think, we are the zealous, holy ones. And if anyone's going to heaven, oh, it was a Pharisee. Today it's an insult. We call somebody a Pharisee, it's, it's an insult, but not back then. They were these legalists. They thought they were better than other people. And often other people thought the same thing of them. They sought to catch Jesus out, for they did not want him. What Jesus taught and preached was not something they were interested in. Verses 16 to 19 of the same chapter says this, But whereunto shall I liken this generation? And then verse 18, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a winebibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. But what you notice here is this. They're seeking to create accusations. They're seeking to create gossip. They're seeking to tarnish his reputation, for they will not have this man to rule over them. This is not the way they envisaged the king to come. He was not the man that they wanted. So they wanted to catch him out. They were seeking to falsely accuse him. The son of man comes with good tidings. He comes with good news. But they could not accept that they were sinners. The news... The Pharisees had laid more and more burdens upon the people. 
Religion is exhausting and it brings heavy burdens, too heavy to bear. In Matthew 23, verse 4, it says this, Matthew chapter 23 and verse 4. It says, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You see, well, they want other people to do these things. But they themselves find these burdens too heavy to bear themselves. They were hypocrites. In Luke chapter 11, verse 46. Luke chapter 11 and verse 46. It says this. And he said, Warned to you also, ye lawyers, for ye laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. You see, they are hypocrites. What they are commanding others do, they would not even do it themselves. But in that day, everyone thought highly of the legalists and were affected by them, burdened, heavy laden. In that day, the model of religious faithfulness was the Pharisee. Publicans and sinners. Well, that was only a certain group of people. The publicans were the tax collectors, were seen as the lowest of the low, stealing under the influence of Rome. And sinners, well, that other people, they didn't see themselves in that way. They're man-made additions of the Pharisees to the law. They're extra strictness to the law. So much so, they even sought to accuse Christ himself. Think about this, Christ never sinned in thought, in word, in deed. But they twisted what he did to accuse him. And to follow such teachings of the Pharisees. Because they rejected Christ. There's no rest. There's torment. There's a heavy burden. And this can happen. We have to be careful of this in any church background. This can happen. Usually the church is so prone to extremes. And we are all prone to extremes. One minute we're in this thing. And the next minute we find some error. We go to the opposite extreme. And we end up with a different error. The hatred of the law is a very bad thing. It's called antinomianism. It is not a good thing. Living as you please, do what you want, we're all under grace, it doesn't matter. But antinomianism has an evil twin. Just as sinister and just as bad as legalism. Which bring burdens. No matter how hard you work, you will never be good enough. And this is true. In your conscience, you know that you can never be good enough. Before his conversion, Martin Luther was a very burdened man. Heavy laden. Seeing the righteousness of God and thinking, how can I love such a God? For these standards cannot be kept. He saw that part of the truth. And then he saw that wonderful verse in Romans 1.17. The just shall live by faith. He found relief. Martin Luther found relief at the beginning of the Reformation. 
But if we seek in our own works to find relief, you will never ever have it. No matter how much charity work you may do. No matter how much work you do for the church. Whatever it is, you will never find relief in anywhere else but in Jesus Christ. Your conscience will continue to be troubled. But this text cannot just be limited to those who feel under the heaviness of the law. Matthew Poole said this about this text. By weary and heavy laden in the text, some understand those that are laden with the sense of their sins and the feeling of the guilt of them. Others understand with the burden of the law, which the apostles called a yoke. Mr. Calvin thinks this too strict an interpretation. Others understand heavy laden with trials and afflictions. Listen to what Poole says here. Christ will give rest to all those of his people that are in any ways weary and heavy laden. Anyways, weary and heavy laden. Yes, we can look at it in the sense, the greater sense of their sins. Come to Christ and find relief. But any who suffer the trials of life, suffer the evidences of the fall. Why is there suffering in the world? Why do we suffer affliction? There's a fall that took place 6,000 years ago. In Adam all die. And these afflictions that we all suffer and go through. Are the evidences and the results of sin. And we know that this has happened. We suffer in this world because this world is fallen. Fallen. Sometimes we will suffer in this world because of our own personal sin. Sometimes it's not our personal sin. See examples in the book of Job. But we live in the world that has fallen. We will all suffer. We as suffering souls in this world. We're constantly reminded of the suffering. And the suffering comes from its root in sin. Let us not get angry dear friends with God for the affliction in our lives. It comes from the rebellion that began with Adam it brings death and we need rest from that that's why people get tempted with this, this heavy laden this, this seeking for relief all of us want relief there's people out there in homes having various addictions and all sorts of things what do they seek? relief they want relief And they find it and they look for it in all the wrong places. What happens when the economy tanks and and all the riches that they once had are gone? This happens in many countries around the world. Suddenly people then visibly return to other idols besides their money. And you'll see a growth of other forms of idolatry. People want to find rest their restless anxiety but who deals with sin perfectly who has dealt with that and suffered perfectly that all that has been dealt with in him the Lord 
Jesus Christ. And it is only with him that we can have peace with God. Systems like Roman Catholicism can only bring brief feelings of relief. When you realize that even if you're a somewhat of a good Roman Catholic, there's still that blade hanging over you with a thread of purgatory. Temporary hell hangs over you. It's not the rest that Christ offers. Are you suffering here this evening? Our suffering has a root in sin. And we need to find rest in Jesus Christ. Are you suffering with a lack of assurance? Wondering if you are a Christian. Sometimes the Lord will take away assurance from our hearts. From a true believer. But what does the Lord want? He wants you to come closer to him. He doesn't want you in this world to find relief anywhere else. Even if you are a true believer. But in him. He wants you to see that he is the source of all goodness. And to be satisfied in him and in him alone. The yoke of Christ is different from the heavy yoke of sin and legalism. It's wonderful. So number two now. We've looked at number one, the suffering. Number two now, the student. The student. We're all students. We're all learning. We're either learning that narrow way that leadeth unto life. We're learning from Christ. Or we're learning from the broad way that leadeth unto destruction. Verse 29 of our text. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. For I am meek and lonely in heart. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learning about Christ as a believer in Jesus Christ will bring relief and rest for your souls. The more you see what he has done for you, dear believer, the more he has taught you, the more light we see, the more sweet relief that we will have. His yoke is wonderful. Now what is a yoke? We're probably not very familiar with that word in modern English, but a yoke is a piece of timber, as one dictionary says, hallowed or made curving near each end. And it's fitted over the necks of oxen. But what is it a picture or a mark of? Servitude, slavery, bondage. A yoke is a picture of serving. We will either serve sin. Learning under that cruel taskmaster. Under that heavy burden. Or we will learn under the, at the feet of Christ. Either our yoke is heavy. And exhausting under the service of our own sin. Doing whatever we please. And it seems wonderful. And it sounds wonderful. And, and Satan will package it to you as wonderful. I still remember years ago. My first few days in, in university. And they were promoting various forms of promiscuous lifestyle. And they joked about it. And they promoted it. And it's heartbreaking. The devil has many evangelists. Many evangelists. At every corner. And he burdens. And wearies. 
souls. It brings them into greater and greater bondage. Christ is not like that. We will either learn the, the ways of sin. Or we will learn the ways of Christ. Christ's way is wonderful. Those who have tasted and seen know what I, talk, what I speak of. You are here this evening and you know it is so wonderful. And you think, why would I want to go anywhere else? Why would I want to go back to the way I used to live? Because this is far greater. And those moments when you do drift, you're reminded. And you, that, that wonderful peace that you have with Christ maybe diminishes for a second. And you come back and Christ is wonderful all over again. To follow Christ is wonderful. In Psalm 1 verse 2 it says this. Psalm 1 and verse 2. But his delight, this is speaking of the blessed man, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. If the yoke is heavy and wearisome, it's not a delight. But because it is easy and light, it is a delight. And because it is such a delight, this blessed man in Psalm 1 meditates upon this law day and night. You think about, you live, breathe, eat, sleep, those things that you love. And if it's the law of the Lord, it will be that. In Psalm 119 verse 16. Psalm 119 verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. I will delight myself in thy statutes. Because what happens when you do not? What happens when you drift? I'm speaking to a true believer here. When you drift from the Lord. You can serve sin. The psalmist in Psalm 119 knows that as soon as we forget the word of God. We go the way of weary burden and servitude of sin. And that way is not light. That way is not easy. As we think more about this picture of a yoke. Does the idea of servitude and slavery or a yoke sound wonderful? Generally speaking, no. It sounds horrible. A yoke? Really? Mm, I'm I'm not submitting myself unto any yoke. I am my own master, most people will think in their hearts. But it is only wonderful and delightful if that way is the perfect way. If that way is wonderful, if that way provides all that we need, if it is a good way, if it is the best way, if it is a glorious way, until we see that that way is the truth, the way and the life, that is Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is not a truth, he's not a way and he's not a life, he's not one way to all these things, because when we reject Jesus Christ, when we Are a student of death and of hell. We reject life itself. We say no to that way. We say no to that truth. And we embrace lies. And speaking again about universities. Many universities. Many formerly good sound 
centers of education. They teach lies. Lies never satisfy. Fallen men, however, sadly, love lies. They don't want to hear, fallen man does not want to hear the preaching of the word of God. Jeremiah was told, prophesy unto us smooth things. Isaiah was told, prophesy unto us deceits, deceptions. Without Christ, what way are you traveling? Is it to life or is it to death? Which one sounds more pleasant? Death is miserable. It's a lack of fruit and a lack of light. Because without Jesus, there is no life. Without Jesus, there is no rest. Without Jesus, there isn't this lovely way. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. If we learn of him. Why? Because he has lived that perfect way. Which nobody else will ever do. For I am meek and lowly in heart. He is meek. We are to be meek. He is lowly in heart. What has he done? We follow in his way. Because without Jesus is a way of torments. To taste the torments of this world. Jesus' way is better. Earlier this morning we read from Matthew chapter 5. Verses 1 to 12, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in heart. It is those people who find rest and peace. It is those people spoken about here in our text. In Galatians 4, verses 4 to 5. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. This is what Christ suffered. He was meek and lowly. Verses 4 and 5. And when the fullness of the time has come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the, the adoption of sons. He assumed the form of a servant. Philippians tells us. Philippians chapter 2, meek and lowly. And he finds victory through submitting to his father's will. This is the way we will have victory over the great enemy of our soul. The lamb, the meek lamb of God, to follow in his way, had victory. Not in the way that people think they have victory. To be a student of the Lamb of God. He prayed in times of trial. He endured in times of trial. He obeyed his father for the sake of his father's glory. His ways bring peace. Christ's way. You see, when is the time of the day when we usually find our greatest rest? You come home from a long day of work. You're tired. And that time you sit on the couch and you rest. Or you hit your head on the pillow. The day's work is done. Rest 
comes when the work is finished. This is not our work. It's Jesus' work. And we find rest for our souls. When do you often feel best in the day? Often when you've had a good night's sleep. You feel good. Rested. Peaceful. When you haven't slept, we might be irritable and anxious and worried. And often worried about all things that wouldn't normally concern us. But to be students of the way of Christ is to be unburdened. It's to find rest. It's to find light. It's not burdensome. Friends, being a Christian is a wonderful thing. And we need to share a wonderful gospel with a world that is weary and exhausted. We have the answer that the people need. And this points us toward finally number three, the Sabbath. The Sabbath, and by Sabbath I mean our eternal Sabbath. Our eternal rest. That perfect rest that awaits us all in Jesus Christ. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And remind yourselves of verse 29, for you shall find rest unto your souls. Verse 28, and I will give you rest. We taste, we but taste rest. We but taste that eternal Sabbath in this world. We but taste it wonderfully today on the Sabbath day. This chief and queen of all the days as one of the early church fathers called it. It is a wonderful day. It is a day when we spend it with Christ who is rest, who is refreshment, and who is joy. We can set aside the other works of the other six days of the week, which weary us down. Many countries around the world that were not Christian have noticed what happens to people if you ignore one day in seven rest. They become wearied and the work ceases and they cannot do it. We've been made that way. The blessing of the Sabbath we enjoy. That full and eternal Sabbath to come. Full rest. The Sabbath, the Sabbath day is not a burden. Our eternal Sabbath is not a burden. And it's tragic what is happening to the Sabbath in Western Christianity. I say Western Christianity because there's a lot of places around the world where the gospel is advancing and people are growing. But where the gospel has flourished for hundreds of years, places such as Scotland, Northern Ireland, and other places like that, the Sabbath is scorned. That one day in seven where we get to taste of that perfect rest that is to come. Where we find greater rest in Jesus Christ. <coughs> is not seen as a delight anymore. The Sabbath must be a delight unto us. It says in Isaiah 58. Isaiah chapter 58. Verses 13 and 14. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath. From doing thy pleasure. On my holy day. And call the Sabbath a delight. The holy of the Lord. Honorable. And shall honor him. 
not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Why? Because these things are wearisome. But we find wonderful rest in the Lord. Verse 14, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord and will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. See, we but taste rest in this world. We but taste and see. We, this morning we enjoyed these tokens of the Lord's grace. These tokens of the Lord's mercy and love towards his people. That he wishes to feed them. To feed you, his people, in Jesus Christ. And we have a wonderful Sabbath rest. That's what the Sabbath is. a day of rest. Not just a day of doing nothing. A day of refreshment. A day of worship. Worship is refreshing. That's what we're going to be doing in heaven forever and ever. If people do not like worship. Friends, you're not going to like heaven very much. It is an eternal Sabbath, an eternal Sabbath which we look forward to, an eternal rest, an eternal drinking of the fountain of living waters and finding refreshment that will never, ever fade in its enjoyment. That's hard for us to grasp. If I said to you, you're going to eat your favorite meal every single day, three times a day, every single day of the year, You'd probably get pretty tired of that food or that drink. But not with Christ. We have perfect enjoyment of him to come. And friends, as we think about the Sabbath in this world, the fourth commandment, it's a commandment, not a suggestion. If it was just a suggestion, we would not do it. And we rob ourselves of the blessing. The law is good. The law is wonderful. And to follow Christ. This burden is light. Where is lighter than the burden of heaven? When we will experience these things in their fullness. Where affliction and suffering is gone. Where there will be no hint of wearisomeness at all. The yoke of Christ is wonderful. Perfectly fully seen in heaven to come. Do you make use of your tastes of this rest, the Sabbath to come in this world? The Sabbath day is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's not a burden. It shouldn't be a burden. We're viewing it wrong if we see it a burden. If we try to, how can we just pass the time so we don't end up drifting into the world? No. It's almost like a day. That there's so much we wish to learn about Christ and worship him. That the day is over so quickly. We want it to start all over again. The Sabbath is an opportunity to spend time with the Lord. The Sabbath is an opportunity to prepare for the eternal Sabbath. The eternal rest. The eternal joy. We need to communicate this joy to the next generation. We need to communicate in our lives and our loves. People will see what we love. 
And I say, dear believer, are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you wearisome? Perhaps you've been trying too much in your own strength to go your own way. The Lord's way is light. The Lord's way, His yoke is easy and burden is light and it is wonderful. Because Christ's work is finished. In this text, I remember this text being used of the Lord to bring me to know him back in 2009 when he saved me. I was exhausted in my own way. I wept at the end of my bed for about 30 minutes and all I could say was, I'm so sorry. And I remember this feeling of being burdened and heavy laden. And I wanted rest. And it wearied me. It exhausted me. And it was only that night. In the middle of March of 2009. That my burden was removed. And I got up. Feeling lighter. (coughs) Is it like that for every single person? I'm not saying it's going to be like that. For you in exactly the same experience in exactly the same way but Christ brings relief Christ brings refreshment if you're not a believer come taste and see this evening find rest for your soul here this evening don't find rest in your family lineage that may go back hundreds of years don't find rest In anything else that the devil may offer you. Find rest in Jesus Christ. You see friends. The misery for the believer is to depart from Christ. To be away from him. Come friend. Let us look forward as we sing later on. Look forward to that eternal Sabbath rest with him. Friends we're going to worship him forever and ever. And we'll never grow weary of doing so. We will never grow weary of doing so. Because he's so wonderful. He's so gracious. He's so forgiving. And he's so kind to us. Comfort comes through Jesus. Amen.